Oh boy. This is gonna be a rough one isn't it? I bet James is going to hate it and Wade will get real angry and defensive and yell at him about why can he not actually enjoy a goofy Star Trek episode for once in his fucking life. You will probably sit back and let them vent and not feel the need to get so worked up about it. Then he'll be like Don Draper in the elevator with this one. Well, we'll see. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello and welcome to the rules of acquisition. A podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I mean, it was it was the greatest show of the 90s. Just look at last episode. And this episode, <laughs> anyways, my name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Slide, slide, slippity slide. When you're living in the city, it's do or die. <laughs> and... Hugh Crawford. Uh, hello. I don't have a greeting as good as that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And we are talking about an episode called, uh, fan- nope, uh, One Little Ship. <laughs> yes. This is episode 14 of season six. It originally aired February 18th, 1998. Here is the IMDb description. A Dominion attack on the Defiant endangers Dax, Bashir, and O'Brien aboard a runabout, the runabout, USS Rubicon as they enter an anomaly that shrinks them to a very minute size. Unfortunately, they... Oh, shit. Full, see full summary. I was not... Unfortunately, they're stuck and there's Jimidar. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they were being held stable by the Defiant within a tractor beam, which was discontinued during the attack. Oh, oh my God. Well, okay, this is... <laughs> <laughs> like, really, you're really... Uh, you didn't need that IMDB. We, we get it. They're a little ship... <laughs> And there's Jim Hadar's taking the Defiant. Um, I think this is one of the best episodes of the season. I I, I am here <laughs> for this episode. This episode checks a ton of boxes for me, personally. <laughs> this is probably one of the top 50 episodes of Star Trek of all time. It's a, li- it's a little bit embarrassing that it took us this long for Star Trek as a franchise to come up with a tiny ship episode. I'm a little bit embarrassed for Star Trek that it took them damn near 35 years to uh, realize the story possibilities of shrinking some of their crew members. They could have had it much earlier. Right. They could have done it. This could have been season two Star Trek. But no. <laughs> this would have been perfect for a season three of the original series. You're right. Well, can you imagine them like figuring out 40 years later we should do a time travel episode? No, they got, they got on that. They got on time travel like right on right away. <laughs> right off the start. Yeah. Right off the start. I mean, but Drake sh- and Morty but... did, did a shrinking episode their first season out. So exactly. I mean, like, they were exactly. on a... Right. Well, I mean, yes. they had this... To fall back on, they this <laughs> yeah. set the bar. This was uh, groundbreaking this, in that it set a tiny ship episode. <laughs> I'm telling you what, no, in all act. Okay, can I give you a, just a brief rundown of the stuff that checks my checks my boxes for, for uh-huh. this being a, a good episode? Please do a, a good episode. Okay, first off, we got a lot of good Cisco stuff, right? Yeah, he sasses the enemy. He's shows he's full of you know, full of cunning in this episode. Right, right. We he's, also, he's fearless in the face. He doesn't flinch, right, before death or yeah. We've got 
Worf wanting to do warrior shit. We've got Kira wanting to do sneaky terrorist type shit. We've got Nog wanting to desperately fit in and actually like rise to the occasion. We've got Ben Sisko like being the best at what he does and what he does isn't <laughs> very pretty. Then on on the flip side of that, this we have says, puns. This, I'm gonna get into. I'm gonna unpack puns here in a minute. <laughs> okay. Okay. So on the flip side of that, we've got for the first time. All season, maybe I don't know. I can't remember the last time we had this this happen. We've have three people who are in a precarious situation, three characters, and each of their professional expertise comes into play to getting them out of it's a good out of their situation. Yes. It's an actually a good teamwork episode where their professional expertise helps them be space friends. In peril. <laughs> O'Brien's knowledge of the ship helps them out. Uh, o- uh, Bashir's knowledge of, like, you know, don't go out there or you'll fuck up, you know, breathing helps them out. Um, his psychiatric training. Dax's moxie. Dax's uh, personal moxie gets them through, but also her knowledge of being able to, like, uh, scientifically get them breathing by beaming some bullshit over to them so they can breathe. She could only do it once for some reason, but then yes, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, minute. but it was yeah, it was she scienced it up though, and she is a science officer who rarely gets a chance to science it up in the show. For I some, know, even for, most of this episode, she's just doing. She's like Han Solo, is what I know how to drive a ship. Like, but yes, yes, keep going. Well, yeah. she's also the pilot too. That her being an expert pilot is also something that's been established. Yes, you're you're starting to sell me, Hugh. I, I don't. So, so then, also, this is oh, wait. Uh, this is this is an episode? Is... Wait, wait. I know you're. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. Is this an episode where me and you like it and Hugh Wade doesn't? <laughs> is this another Riza episode? <laughs> no, uh, what? I'm gonna let Hugh finish and then I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Just when I think one of my favorite things about the Jim Hadar as a bad guy, as a reoccurring bad guy. Is that every time we see them, we see their own personal drama play out, right? It's a David Mamet play every time we see them. <laughs> every time we yeah. see it, it's a David Mamet play with the Jim Hadar, and I love it. I'm always here for it. This is another iteration that actually makes sense within the larger scale of the Dominion War, which is they have a new element, which is the Gamma or is the Alpha Jim Hadar, the Jim Hadar who are, who are no different than the Gamma in appearance or any other way other than that they were bred in in the Alpha Quadrant and the drama be- between like the change literal changing of the guard mm-hmm. unfolds in a private drama that almost has nothing to do with Ben Sisko and his crew like it doesn't matter the next Federation ship, they beamed aboard and fucked up. They were going to butt heads and have this drama play out, right? It doesn't have to be Ben Sisko's ship for them to, you know, have have these problems. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about this episode. It's, it's a natural progression of the Jim Hadar saga, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it too. Every this this episode, I think, is a top easily top fifty. Uh, Star Trek. Episode. So Star Trek episode, probably top twenty Deep Space Nine episode. You know what? I um, I'm sorry. You you want to say something, James? I think I, I I think I'm I'm oh my god I'm gonna be the middle guy here. <laughs> I'm a little middle on the fader here. I think that I enjoyed this episode in the same way that I enjoyed Venom. But at the end of the day, oh this has got a lot of chomp 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 chomp. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, it was a really satisfying teamwork episode. And I I did like that. I did not respond to any of the Jimadar stuff for a lot of reasons. But I, I, I get that your general point that it's it's cool that 
they're all, they always got their own psychodrama that we just kind of come in and out of. Right. We kind of right. ghost in and out of. But for this, it was not working for me. But by the by the end of it, I was giggling. Oh yeah. Sometimes oh, that it's sometimes against my favorite, my, my favorite thing about this is that there's almost no Odo in it. That's one of my oh, other yes, Odo it comes the, out of the There thing. is the proper amount of Odo and Quark in this. Like Chef Kiss proper amount of both of those guys. <laughs> where we get to see them bust O'Brien and Bashir's balls at the end. Yes. <laughs> all right. So all right, here's how I saw this episode. You know what? Everything you said is right, Hugh. But I mean I don't I don't want to totally flip and, and be the james of this and say why can't they do <laughs> this last episode i have why a little could... bit of why can't they do in this too i mean it's that sure. this is a this is a this is a very good episode but it's not i'm not saying it's perfect i'm oh. just saying it checks a ton of my boxes whereas most of season six has left me wanting for oh, I, you, know. I, you know what i mean ultimately i'm gonna agree that it's it's a very well executed episode like here's how i see it last week they did Far Beyond the Stars, which is like we said it was arguably the best Star Trek episode across the board. Yes. And then and so and I don't know, maybe it's with Discovery and all this other stuff. I've got this the battle between the suits and the the creatives on my mind. I see like Rick Berman saying, all right, you can do this 1950s race thing that is not Star Trek at all. I'll let you do it. I'll let you have all your sex and your jazz interstitials. But you know what? Afterward, you got to give me a Star Trek episode afterwards. I need I need just a fucking episodic Star Trek episode. And then they got the dictates down from above and Bear and everybody else are like, oh, you want just a regular fucking Star Trek episode? We'll give you a regular space nope. This script, script was a passion project for Renee Echeverria, who's been trying to get them to do it for six years before they did it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He pitched it in season two of TNG. Oh, my that, God. Uh, there you go. Oh, that's... my God. See, that's what I'm saying. He knew it was embarrassing that it, it took him that long to do a shrinking episode. This was going to be a TNG episode? But hey. I tell you what, that only fits my point in that. Guys, I can't it, even it... talk over my erection right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> This was going to be a TNG it was episode. Gonna be a, it was going to be a shuttle gets drunk and tries to help the. They have to get the Enterprise out of, of a scrape. Guys, I got. I got to Google. I got to. I got to Google some images of Odo's <laughs> sex grandma to get this boner down. I can't. That kind of supports my point in that it was meant to be a TNG episode, and they're like, "All right, shit, no, 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 is... Renee." I mean, I'm just saying that Renee Ashavaria has been like, "This has been a labor of love of his." Oh, I, I get it. I mean, I, I understand it was his, but you, did he tell me this? Who wrote the TNG episode Rascals? I don't know. Was it Renee Ashavaria? I don't know. I think I, I don't have it in front of me. I really thought you I, had a gotcha moment there. I, but you kinda... I really wish I did. I really Congratulations, wish. my boner's gone, Wade. You just I'm looking it up now. But I wonder I just if I'm if he did, I'm gonna like Well he technically didn't write this episode either, but yeah. Uh, he doesn't get credit for it. If he but. did, I'm going to do a Fortnite this, dance. This episode is this episode is covered in hyper specific characterization to this this series. So I'm not I'm just because he had a premise where a uh, ship is in peril because they're tiny and they saved the larger yeah. ship. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that could easily have been a, a Enterprise episode. Oh yeah, and yeah. I bet you that episode wouldn't wouldn't match up to I Need a Hero. <laughs> And the climax. So, all right. I just looked it up. Renee Echevarria did not work on Rascals. 
fake news. You totally lumped him in just like Trump lumps. I mean, good God. Wade. I know. That's some low, dirty shit. My credibility is shut, but my people don't care. Uh, right. That's <laughs> that's probably very close to the truth. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm not trying to shit talk. I, I agree this is a good very well executed episode. It feels very Star Trek. That's all. That's all. I'm right. My point, which is why I put it in the top fifty Star Trek right, episodes. Right. And I don't mean that as a bad as a bad thing. I think, I mean, lately I feel like I'm the guy that says it's Star Trek. Why can't you just enjoy it for being Star Trek more than <laughs> sure? Yeah. You know. So, uh, but uh, at the same time, it's a fucking <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> like like I, like everything you said is right. The Jim Hadar stuff is great. I really like the Jim Hadar stuff. Everything about this episode is is executed well, except for maybe some of Julian's puns. But you know what? Honestly, even that's done well because that's what it, this show does. It's space friends having fun, and, and, you know, it's not like Bones and Spock and Kirk never said dumb yuck, yuck yucks to each other. So, mm. you know what? That's fine, too. I think, so, I think they, were, they showed an amazing restraint with the puns. This could have been... There were so many more puns to be had. And they doled them out relatively lightly. <laughs> You're probably right. And here's another thing about puns. If you can't enjoy a pun on occasion, there's something wrong with you. You're the same sort of person that, like, looks down on fart jokes or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> lighten the fuck up. Puns are, so, puns you know are fun sometimes. You're okay, fine. You got, you got me. You're, you, you know what? You're right. I agree. But, again, it's just in juxtaposition to the last episode to this one, Last episode was so, so good. And you know what? Like, James has been complaining the last few episodes. It's bookended by Yuck Yucks. And, I mean... Yeah, I don't like that. But I don't... Okay, so I think that maybe this is... Which I think is fine, honestly, because I'm I'm here for the Yuck Yucks more than anything else. Here's something that I've noticed, that I don't like jokes. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I don't like... I'm a humorless motherfucker. No, what I don't like is that I don't like... Unless it's, like, top-notch, witty repartee. Like, the kind of humor that's in the last scene, where Odo's like, hey, you're a shada, and that, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, that whole, like, humor. I don't like that kind of... But, like, witty banter, like, Marvel-style witty banter, I think this episode had more of that. And I like that more. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I'll say about this is that it's... It, Okay, it's an incredibly dumb premise. <laughs> premise, but it is a trope. Yeah. But all the way through it, I was I was wanting to hate it. Like, you know, things that would normally break my brain, like when the Jimadar come and then they hold them all in the lunchroom. I'm like, how frightening is a group <laughs> of fucking, like, Whoville? Because I, I, at first I used to think they looked like rhinos, but now they just look like people in Dr. Seuss movies. <laughs> like, and, yeah. so, and so I'm like, how fucking scary are these fucking boring blue people and then they held them in the brig and then right when i was like why are they keeping a prisoner just fucking kill them and then the one guy goes just fucking kill them <laughs> and i'm like right. oh okay yes. okay so this is gonna follow me this along. guy gets it the only yeah, this guy so gets it, yes. it seemed like the episode was always about to answer my my critique grievances yeah right. but the only time there's two things is fine which is fine is they went back to totally dumb and incompetent bashir like they have totally did away with Bashir as a man of un- supernatural like abilities. 
I he was able to calculate he's, some shit in his head a few times. Yeah, like they did. They okay, did a, okay, yeah. He's the guy who can. He writes. He gives specific measurements. He is, but he's yes, dumb he, as he, shit. And that's all his. That's all his. That's all his super genius is good for. Anyway, right, he's right. Like, he's 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 a super genius in math, but like with dad uh, jokes pasted on top. He's still a dipshit. Yeah, yeah. He's still. Yeah, yeah. But then I okay. So then I get. So they're in the when they're in the computer and they're doing all that shit and they're all. Yes. And I know that they need a click ticking clock. But she says I can I can phase in some oxygen and then I can phase you in there. You know I can transport some oxygen into the computer and then transport you in there. And they go, they go fine. And that's a cool little problem to have. But the problem is, is there was no reason she just couldn't keep pumping oxygen into the computer. No, it was right. just... They gave no reason why they couldn't. I'll tell you... There's a, oh, it just need a story. It just needed yeah. a click and clock. It, yeah. 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 Right. it needed a tick and clock. But there, I know exactly why. Plot, like, they needed steaks. That's like... No, that, no, that's what I'm saying, but there was no... Let us inject some steaks into it. No, you're right. There's no There's no reason. You're right. There's it's, no reason why she just couldn't if, keep even shooting. Even if she, she could have had one line where she's like, I could do it once because I'm going to have to use the reserve power cells to do yeah. Yeah. In a small ass Rubicon, yeah, and then we would have yeah. been like, okay, but just right. like two lines of techno babble could yeah, could have yeah. fixed that. Like, or or if I try to do it again, it might put pressure in and, and explode all your heads or something. You know. Yeah. Here's my could have been for this. What they should have done, the Alpha Quadrant Jim Hadar should have had some Klingon DNA integrated into them to make them more badass and look different than the Gamma Quadrant Jim uh, Hadar. This is not, you're not that far off from what they want. They, they, this is never mentioned. The alphas are never mentioned again. Yeah. Uh, right. In the show. And it's because, right. like, but... Of hubris. Uh, they but, couldn't handle the responsibility. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but Ronald D. Moore, Ronald D. Moore, or I think it was Ronald D. Moore that pitched it. And then by the end, he was like, we were just running around with, like, we just forgot. Yeah, oh, of He's course. Like, we, we just forgot to write them anything else about them. Sure. Because when when they introduced the alphas, the nerd in me was like, "Oh wait a oh they they could create new uh, Jim Hadar because they did give them that planet they were looking for." Oh yeah. That the Cuckoo's Nest kids said we have to give them, and that, that so that they create more white or whatever. Oh, and then they said they had to give it to him. Oh, they gave it to him. And that's how that we got the new Jim. I don't know. No, it's probably not right, but mm-hmm. but the Trekkies online can make that jump, but like I did, that's fine. But you're right. If they had mixed them with Klingon DNA, that would be that, You're right. Yeah, that would have been cool. And if one of them called Worf cousin or something, like <laughs> just like with full of venom or something, like uh, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to kill you first, cousin, or something. You know, something something like that. Or they'd look distinctly different. They didn't just look like same Jim Adar, but that's what I meant. No, if they had like yeah, if they had like if they had turtle foreheads, <laughs> yeah, if they had turtle foreheads and were like maroon skin, which was a mix of the brown and the blue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one one does look bluer than the other, but I think that's just that guy's makeup looks I, different. Yeah, I, I, one of my favorite parts of the episode is where they're handing out the white and they're like getting ready to do the speech, and they're like, oh fuck it, we're all. We're all (laughs) alphas. We're all alphas. Fuck it. I do like. I like that part because it is that um, every. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a trope of like any hard ass group. Like the next generation is. Oh, these guys don't respect the new. The old way. These guys don't respect the old ways. (laughs) Like that was right. That's why the next generation's going to hell. They. They don't have respect for anything anymore. They don't have their religion. They don't take it seriously. They should have made them greasers. They should have had the alphas wear 
wear leather jackets and had like <laughs> slick back hairs and like packs of cigarettes rolled up in their sleeves and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it the Greek nerd in me that would not? I don't know Greek at all, but like, you know, it's a little, or maybe it's just OCD on my part. It's annoying to me that the alphas were the second race. <laughs> it that, was confu- that was kind of confusing. <laughs> right. It's like, wait a minute. If I don't know that the alphas are from the alpha quadrant, that would be confusing for me as a person coming into this. I think uh, culturally we use alphas to mean like top dogs now more yes. than probably they did in 98. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't yeah. remember, I don't remember talking about alphas and betas and shit. Like in culture, like we do now. So, no. yeah, <laughs> no, that would have. Uh, yeah, the elves, they're just a bunch of uh, brads Brad. coming in, taking all our stasis. <laughs> I do like the. Okay, so I, over the course of one of my uh, James DS9 sours in, in James's memory, one of the things that I've now found is that the Jimadar are are just visually so much less intimidating than what I thought they were when I first watched it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Because now. They just all... You're not sure if they can turn their heads even. Then like, you can't... Uh, yeah, but they all just... Uh, there's something a mismatch because, you know, you see them and they're supposed to look like these rhino people and then you come up on them and then they're just like, hello, I'm just... Uh, you know, they all have like movie <laughs> actor voice. And, <laughs> right. Why, hello, my name is Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Why, hello. And and you can see the pinks of their eyelid. And I'm just like, come on, guys, this is lame. <laughs> like, and I, that was where whatever Discovery did with the Klingons... You know, I wasn't cool with that, but... They looked truly alien. Yeah, it looked truly frightening, so... But now, the, but these guys, literally, because they their tips of their nose touch the tops of their lips without, like, an indent, and so it yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. it looks like everything... It looks like a Dr. Seuss drawing. And so I just don't... Like, now they just Yeah, can't. and then so, some of the secondary ones that just come on as background actors, too, look even goofier... And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not a prime, I mean, a, I feel like a prime actor, a good actor, good character actor that gets a big one of these beefy roles probably spends some time in the makeup looking and seeing how he looks. And then the other guys just, they look like doofuses <laughs> right. with, with yeah. masks on. So I will say the second, or maybe he was the elder or whichever, the gamma guy, mm-hmm. either the first or the elder. To me, it looked like the makeup artist almost fashioned it to look like Mark Alamo. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Just the way the guy, just, but I mean, it, it wasn't obviously him, but it's like, that's, maybe it's just just me. It's probably just me, but it's like, that looks like kind of how Mark Alamo looks. <laughs> as, <laughs> the guy doesn't look human, that's all I'm saying. No, he's just been through the washer a few times. Um, that guy, the the second or whatever, he won the one. He won one hundred thousand dollars on the best actor category on Star Search in the eighties. Oh, really? Wow! <laughs> you remember Star Search? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, Star- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Ed McMahon head over here. So yeah, of yeah. course. He did. <laughs> so yes, so he won. I mean, it it was the uh, American Idol of its day. It was. Oh my God, it yeah. was. Except it was even just... mentioning it, American Idol dates us because that show <laughs> debuted 20 years ago and it's been off the air for like five years or whatever. <laughs> right. American Idol, it was the voice of its day. Yes. Uh-huh. But Star Search had much more baton twirling, it seemed to me. Right. So. And, yes, and Gallagher ripoffs. <laughs> yes. Lots of prop comedy on Star Search. Uh, so I guess, I guess the accurate 
comparison would be it was the America's Got Talent of its day. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people have been asking us what we're going to do <laughs> after we're done with Deep Space Nine, what show we're moving on to, and I think this is a good time to announce that we're finally doing the Star Search. We watch. We're yeah. go through every episode of Star Search and talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, the cow's out of the bag. James tipped our hand a little bit by bringing it up today. So look for the, forward to that coming in two thousand uh, yeah. fall of two thousand nineteen. I have a box of VHSs with tapes. <laughs> right. All your favorite stars from nineteen ninety eight that you didn't realize had been on Star Search. We're going to talk about fifteen uh, years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I did take notes for this episode to do a whole breakdown, but when I started, I was like, fuck it. After the last week, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I did it anyway because I'm my city. You were, you were legitimate. Like, okay, so you had James Malays. I was like, you know what? Let me just watch this episode and enjoy it. And then I was watching it and I was like, I mean, we got the cold open where they were just like, fuck it. They shrink. We're not going to spend too much time explaining it. And I was like, ah. All right, let me get my notebook out. <laughs> okay, here, I got a really hot take for you. I think this is a better episode than the time travel triple shenanigans episode. Really? It's definitely the same kind of fun, I think. It is the same kind of fun. I don't think that they, I think it's like, I think they had to shoehorn more stuff in that one. So it kind of gets, it doesn't have any dumb uh, grandfather paradox in it. For one, so that doesn't, that's, you know, got that going for it. I love that paradox. You love a grandfather paradox? I th- from- No, I just loved making fun of Bashir in that instance. I don't know. It was, it didn't bug me. He was pretty dumb in this one, too. I agree. He was dumb. However, he did use his friendship with Bashir to get through, I mean, O'Brien to get through, get through a difficult period. Whereas I don't know if anybody else, because they have that friendship, could have talked mm-hmm. Bashir, O'Brien out of that difficult, right. difficult time. I did, did like the kind of subtext when they first started shrinking and O'Brien was like, I don't want to shrink. And I mean, maybe it's reaching a little bit far, but it felt like he was making dick jokes. Oh, they were, <laughs> oh, they were most definitely, they, that's why they were worried at the, at the end. Yeah, there yeah, there yeah. was most definitely a dick joke. Yeah. Yeah. Those, the couple centimeters off that they, those two <laughs> yeah. can't afford, they don't have big dick energy. They have <laughs> right. nearly adequate dick in, energy and they cannot afford to lose a couple centimeters. <laughs> right. Right. And when the, when they showed the Vorta that the Jemhadar were talking to on the view screen, I was like, <laughs> that Vorta sucks. It should have been Iggy. That Vorta, that Vorta, should've been should've, Iggy it should have been Iggy. You're absolutely right. But I like how the fact that, like, if you, if you're, you know, elderly and you have a bunch of cataracts, you might think that was Iggy Pop. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Bear didn't like Iggy's energy on uh, Magnificent Ferengi, so he was like, Let's just get a guy that looks like him. It's like no. I think they've done a wonderful job of of sort of like stringing all the Vorta actors along to have a, a very similar vibe. <laughs> like that's actually been a strength of of the show overall. I like that they're different. They're my favorite thing about them is that it's like they're a very distinct alien species, but you can't like. It, you need a lot more words to describe what makes them more distinct. Yes. Like Klingons, big warrior monsters. Yeah, space orcs. Vulcans, logic. Yeah, space elves. Yeah, and Romulans, dirty space logic, you know. <laughs> Dark elves, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but like with the, you're like, 
Well, you know, like the professional managerial class, but they're also kind of yeah, way like it's right. like this weird they're lackadaisical, aloof middle managers. That's yeah. what I mean. They could all be working at the Galactic Thunder Mifflin, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like in in the office, every time Michael meets a manager from another branch or whatever, they all have the same vibe as a Vorta. That one from the Stanford <laughs> branch. Right, right. Could have been a Vorta. Right. They have different approaches, but they all got something similar about it. Michael Scott Vorta tells all the other managers that he fucked a founder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Michael Scott as a Vorta is my favorite fan fiction. It probably needs, Michael Scott Vorta probably needs to have its own. Uh, discussion board in, in our Patreon Discord, where people could just write Michael Scott Vorta fan fiction. All right, I'll, I'll make that happen. <laughs> Sorry, can't stop laughing. Okay, all right. <laughs> because Michael Scott liked older sex grandmas. That's his whole thing. Yeah, he did. Uh, he liked the so more, but yeah, more he, powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Is there? There needed to. There should be one Vorta who's like the Packer. The Todd Packer Vorta. <laughs> the right. Todd Packer. Uh, well, I mean, see, Michael Scott couldn't do art as well as he wanted to, right? Yeah. He couldn't rap as well. Yes. He couldn't do improv as well. He couldn't do acting as well. He couldn't do any. So he has, like, the same handicaps as the Vorta. Like, the Vorta can't, they don't know if a piece of artwork is beautiful. They can't sing. You know, oh, my God. Michael Scott would have been a, Michael Scott Vorta <laughs> would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been great. Yep. Um, so yeah, <laughs> they go through the, I don't know, it's an accretion disc singularity that shrinks them, whatever. And then they go through and then they have to get back into the ship to save everybody. And, and they do. It takes you two. There, we get a mention of dilithium miners on Karufa or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. I, I'm so sorry. I'm still no. in Michael Scott Vorta. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Please Just go. real quick. Do you remember the scene where Gold Ducat was like, as you see, here is my plan for the end game of the war. And, and old Vorta that we like, uh, Jeffrey Combs Vorta, says, I see it, but can, maybe you can explain it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a total <laughs> Michael Scott move. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm an idiot. Like I don't. I of course I know what it is, but yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. That comparison is is damn near perfect. <laughs> right. I wish we we need to Photoshop Michael Scott. Oh, yeah. And Vorta makeup now. Yeah, with some some ears, purple contacts. Right. Oh yeah. It's so, all. And then Cisco explain convinces him because the the warp engines are offline because they got attacked by Jemadar, <laughs> and then he's running shenanigans on them in the engineering room. Kira is the only one working on the warp engine. Worf is running distractions and dog is trying to get into the bridge okay real quick there i love how they're all on the same page about blowing the fucking shit up they, they are oh, so yeah, steely yeah. motherfuckers about this mm-hmm. right and even nog is like at least we'll take some of those sons of bitches down with us you right. know like i like i liked how they were all a unified cold ass badass motherfuckers about it right there's a second where nog was like like look i'm too shitty to code into the bridge or whatever do we have another plan? And and yeah, Cisco's like, yeah, we blow this motherfucker up. And he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I better do this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's talking about edgy, like how hardcore that is. Uh, in the writer's room, Ronald D. Moore was trying to make, trying to push it, I think, trying to push it a little bit. And he, he actually, like, he wanted him to put a red shirt. 
in the script. Oh. And when they kept saying, you know, like, Cisco, We're listen to me or I'll one. kill a... Like, where one of the Jemadar just killed one of the guys. Yeah. Yeah, he Why said, Cisco, Cisco, you know, whatever, to conform or I'll kill this guy. And apparently in the script that Ronald D. Moore added in, it was... Um, Cisco looks at the guy and goes, don't worry, this will be fine. And right when he does that, the Jimadar blows his brains out. And I was like, that would have been a Cisco moment, you know? Uh, that we would have talked about for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, don't be fine. This will be fine. However, it would have been a little bit of a, of a mood killer. You can't exactly yeah. end on Odo sh- centimeter shenanigans <laughs> uh, <laughs> on that episode, do, can you? Yeah, after, like, Cisco directly just... Like aided in uh, like a killing of uh, one of his crew, right? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Stark, I don't want to go. <laughs> You'll be all right. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah, uh, th- when he's stalling, and and the other uh, Jemadar comes in, and the elder, the first is talking to the elder, is like, "Well, you know what?" And then Cisco's like, "Hey, your second hit is a dick." The guy's like, "Fuck you, do what just." Just the part of the Jim Hadar dynamic between the, like, it's like don't trust that motherfucker, and it's like we were trying to get our shit done, but you're at your your seconds an asshole, and then he's like, oh, get out, clear the room, let them do what they need to do, and yeah, and then you know, Dax has some fun business. Like if you love that, then you'll love this next thing. Don't take my word for it. Reading all of the Dax little ship stuff I, I found fun. Oh yeah. Like when, when she was got, when she's gotta like knock on the door. Yeah. Where she's like, I got a delicate touch and they're like, I'm not according to Wharf. <laughs> I like I like the wild sex game comp like we're friends, but you're you can't like, you know, that might be crossing a little line. Yeah. Like she told Worf about that comment later on. Worf stored that away for, for like later in the series. <laughs> that comment comes back in Worf's mind, and like in, at the like the second episode of season season uh, seven, mm-hmm. Worf is thinking about Bashir saying that line when he's dressing him down. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, it's also pretty unworf but but then you can make that work like he he wanted to fit in so he tell he wants to share a sexual jibe with the boys but he overshares (laughs) (laughs) she likes four fingers (laughs) and then the thumb no or whatever (laughs) you know i have uh two dicks right (laughs) and and jadzia likes that (laughs) i don't think you can uh, really match up there sometimes i think four dicks is not enough for her (laughs) two dicks is not enough she's incorrigible Uh, yeah Um, and then they beam down to like the shittiest tron set oh that was a lot of fun Cole Meany was doing the lord's work with his acting his exasperated struggles for breath uh, was far <laughs> superior than to Bashir's. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, fair. I'm serious. I'm like, if you oh, watch yeah. the both of them struggle to breathe and pretend, like, Cole Meany's a superior actor. He was yes. able, to, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're not, even, I'm not going to fight you on that. <laughs> right. He's even able to, like, pretend to be short of breath better than uh, <laughs> Bashir. Yes. And they had these giants. A dryer, a dryer vent juice. <laughs> right, right. Love the dryer vents. Here for yeah, it. Yeah, it's like it's like a Doctor Who with like old Doctor, like yeah. fourth Doctor or something. Like, I oh. mean, those they, they, they there's a lot of this episode had a lot of special effects 
there was a lot of care and like craft taken into all of it though mm-hmm. yeah that's true like the way the the little the the end of the dryer <laughs> shoots fit into their other were they did somebody had to fabricate that stuff it's uh, a darling well like if you went to like a play like a local theater play and that was the set you'd go these guys they look at them look at yeah <laughs> Look yeah. at this little community theater putting this. That's set how I felt about this episode. They're not. They're never going to use that set again. This wasn't a cave episode. You know, <laughs> it showed me something new that I had never seen in a Star Trek before. I've never seen that set before. You know, and I will never see it again. You know, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not going to have Michael Berman shrunk down and <laughs> no, getting lost in in between isolinear chips or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me knows. know if they do <laughs> let us see. yes please i will i will maybe if there's a short trek for that maybe this is like i think that what it was because i was not looking forward to this episode i think that what i ended up liking most about it is that for once they weren't trying to like they knew exactly what they were doing they leaned into it. Yes. They it, were like, we're doing a shrunken ship episode. I mean, they even have Kira laugh at the whole concept of these people shrinking so that you can laugh. Yes, so that like, yes, it was yes. very smart. So, but and the character, the most hardened, cynical person on that crew laughed hmm. at it. It wasn't just like right, dog right. laughing at it. I mean, it was the person who spent her childhood being a terrorist laughed at it. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, that's the goofiest shenanigans episode that I've argued so hard for that you didn't like. My point was that they leaned into it and this is, this is exactly what they aim for. And you know, this episode they did too. And so what, what episode are you talking about? I'm talking about like, the last five episodes we did before fire beyond the stars. Oh no, no. I think that those things are trying to be uh, like, well, I don't, do I don't that. think we're having a good time. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know. I, I think that those aren't, I don't know. I don't find it fun when people ape genre. Right. Like we this know was, you don't like, you've already said you don't like jokes game. You don't I like know, jokes. I don't this wasn't trying to be, this was trying to be a Star Trek episode. Yeah. That's what we liked about yeah, it. Yeah. It wasn't trying to be the Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that's. I think that's James's point. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it, it knew how to be light on its feet within the parameters of a Star Trek episode. Right. I they mean, don't know how to be light on their feet within the parameters of a Western. I. I mean, my my difference of opinion is that they hit the marks they were aiming for that weren't typical Star Trek episodes. I, I think I, that I'm they willing to the make mark. the. But that's I'm willing like, to make the broader about it. Okay, let's just. just we're not fighting. I'm saying. I'm saying that I'm willing to concede that the bigger point is, is that yes, some of these things it becomes very subjective because it's what is your yeah, yeah. what is your goof you know right right and this was much more my goof than uh, <laughs> right, right. watching wouldn't it be that's the thing i don't like is that i remember and this is weird and i can't really put my finger on it but i remember when i was a kid in the early 80s and my parents were over probably overpaying because they were poor but over they paid for hbo and i watched all of HBO all the time. Mm-hmm. My parents were basically teenagers when they had me. So like right. they they were the worst parents. <laughs> I love them. They were the worst parents. And so I watched all kinds of horrible shit. But I remember that like it seemed like that HBO was just full of like genre aping. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you remember Johnny right. Dangerously? 
Oh yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Keaton. Yeah, like yeah. that kind of. We're we oh, want to yeah. be a modern comedy, but we're gonna try and be a James Cagney movie. Oh, are, or, you, right. are you telling me that you're shitting on Johnny Dangerously now? I'm shitting on Dangerously. Yes. <laughs> if you find How that dare shit, you, sir. I don't understand <laughs> any. It's like, and Will Ferrell oh does God, that the, too. The, where, the where Johnny like, Dangerously Discord room is gonna be so pissed at you. <laughs> I'm just saying, watch your back, James. <laughs> there was a parody of Star Wars that played all of the time, uh, all of the time on HBO when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Spaceballs? No, 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 no. Um, okay, okay. Mel Brooks is the one, like he's the exception that, like, I don't really love a lot of his Mel Brooks's stuff. That's no playing Mel on Brooks. That. There's two different Mel Brooks spoofs. There's yeah. one where he he genuinely loves the source material. Those mm-hmm. are the best. The ones where he doesn't genuinely love the source material are a little droll. Yeah. Right. Young Frankenstein, he genuinely loves those movies. Yeah. And it yeah. comes through in yeah, that. Yeah. It's not like, let's play through the shit of another genre. That's what I don't like. Right. But this was like, I mean, I know it was Fantastic Voyage, but it was, it was, it's much, I mean, obviously, it's not, it's not, yeah. a, it's not Fantastic Voyage. And it's more just right, a right. dumb idea for, you know, I don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's not, a, I don't, I'm not going to call it a top 50 Star Trek episode. Uh, so Hugh loves it much oh, more than me. This most definitely is. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching it, and I did not enjoy Who Mourns for More. Right, but we didn't. We we just got to the edge of that last fight scene, and then <laughs> we get we get Worf snapping necks. Yes, got... Worf snapping necks. Kira being a badass <laughs> with the phaser. Yeah. Even Nog jumping in and trying to be brave. <laughs> Getting yeah. his ass handed to him. So what? He, he's trying. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, like of course that's gonna happen. Yeah. He's... He's a little Ferengi. He knows it. He, yeah, um, why don't you ease up on him, Wade? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He's doing the best he can with what he's got. He's a fucking ensign, Wade. Shit. <laughs> he didn't try to negotiate or buy them off. At least he's trying to. <laughs> I do like that uh, uh, when O'Brien didn't rib Nog, but he was like, I think Nog, you know, because he's because they all were super geniuses at that moment. And he's like, Nog is trying to do this to this. and. Yeah. and He's smart, but he's not. And Bashir yes. was like, "Well, let's hope it. Well, let's hope he'll try." He's like, "Yeah, that's not gonna work." <laughs> or he's right, like, right. he says, "He says it's gonna take Nog weeks to do that." Like that, he right. he was like a smarter person might could do that, but Nog, he's a beginner, you know. Right, right, right. So. right. We got to go to the Tron set for that. Yeah, yeah. We can't afford a good Tron set. Let's go to the Doctor Who set. I do like that. Just uh, didn't Jadzia just start the fight without? Yeah, basically they're just like like any like like prompting. She just started it. That was. I well, don't they know. did know they they did notice that like they have control now. Why aren't they doing anything? Oh, something must be wrong. Let's yeah. go back and then let's, I need then let's we get start the, shooting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take them out. I need a hero. I need a hero. <laughs> <laughs> I just got. To, I need a hero running in my head now. Yes. Well then, yeah, then yeah, then you're just up to speed with the rest of us because that's what <laughs> plays in my head 24/7. Right. Well, I, I'm going to be pedantic. It's not called "I Need a Hero." It's called "Holding Out for a Hero." I'm oh, sorry, I guys. Know. Get your, no, get, your shit, get your shit straight, guys. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, right. It, Yes. Every time we're like, let's go to Mickey D's, he's James like, it's McDonald's. <laughs> Excuse me, guys, it's McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I don't know a song called I Need a Hero. I know a song called <laughs> Holding Out for a Hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Frankenstein is the creator, not the monster. Yes. Uh, then, then they go back to DS9 after they save the day, and then O'Brien's telling a 
story about it, like, oh, and the Jemadar was as big as a Selton Carnosaur. And then we get the, then, um, you know, Quirk and Odo have a little bit of their little bonding. They get their contractually obligated screen time in. Yes. The perfect amount. Yeah, exactly. That's what Odo, that's how much screen time Odo should have had for the rest of this series. <laughs> he should be on there for a minute and a half and he should be busting somebody's balls and then get out. I mean, it's kind of astonishing how, how just gone he is as a character. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's just not they've there. All, like we've said, they've they can only focus on. There's always a character that gets left out. And now we got yeah. Odo heavy enough. No, actually, you're right. This whole season, he's been lax. I take it back. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 when I, when I made a big thing about them breaking the character, in the, I did not realize how much they broke him. You know? Oh yeah. We'll see. We'll get back to him at some point. And then argue why, about how he's still broken, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But he's, yeah. It's a struggle, man. Yeah. He's got a nice moment in this, though, where he's like, and then Court comes up to him. Oh, I, I absolutely disagree. I could, I don't know. Like, you don't that's... like that moment with the, like, Quirk's like, they said you don't have a sense of humor. Ha ha. That was. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's getting personal with him. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. You liked it, right, Hugh? I thought you were... Sorry. Yeah, I'm here yeah. for that little moment right. that they had together. Yeah. What, my favorite thing was, was how the scene was actually blocked because uh, the camera shows Quirk in the background and Odo in the foreground. And Quirk, mm-hmm. you could actually watch him over here the uh Odo giving him shit and decides to get in on it. That's my favorite thing about right, it. Right, right, right. And then he comes over to like make matters worse. And then when he says, and they say that you don't have a sense of humor, Odo's self-satisfied look on his face. Like, that's how much character progression I think we could take. Like, at the beginning of the series, Odo wouldn't bust somebody's balls, but now he would. I think that's like a a distance, a believable distance covered, I I would say. I agree, I agree. I think it's a great... Not what they end up doing with him like that's <laughs> yeah that's the kind but for this episode it's great sure for what they've yeah. showing that amount of distance over six years is uh believable yeah yeah this uh, the other odo stuff is just gross <laughs> right well i mean literally gross sure 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 sex, sex, sex mom gra- sex grandma sex grandma uh, <laughs> right well and we'll get back to this gross odo stuff at some point but i don't know this episode i think Okay. We all had a good time. All right. I want to know your re- I want to know your rewatch meter, guys. Uh, five. Oh, shockingly, uh, fuck. Uh, seven. <laughs> a seven. Well, yeah. this is the top fifty for me. I'm I'm got, I'm going to be a ten for me. So. All right. Oh yeah. If I'm going to watch a Deep Space Nine episode, this might be the one I reach. One of the ones I reach for. So a five for Wade, and a seven for James. Oh, and yeah. I'm on the high end of the spectrum for this. Hmm. Um, okay. Do you guys want to guess what the good people of IMDb think of this episode? 7.6. I'm actually... I, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, 7.6. I, I'm going to go 7. Because I think that like this doesn't... This is dumb, but it's not dumb in the way that makes the fan feel sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... You know, we always talk... You might be right. Yeah. So I, I, I'm gonna go seven, but I don't know. 
What was what was Wade's again? I I jumped out there with seven point six, but it is seven point six. Oh, eight hundred and ninety three votes. You almost talked this yourself a, out of it. You know, so we almost had a Wade stick to your guns moment. I had to interrupt before he did. I was. <laughs> I had, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely won. Yeah, that I think that's the first time on the history of the show that you've nailed like nailed exactly right. Wade, I have like once or twice. Have you once or okay? Yeah, not for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's been a minute, huh? Yeah, it has. Yeah, seven point six. I'm in a I'm in I'm in a quiet slump lately. <laughs> it's a game that I'm I'm happy to be uh, like not play and actually just because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I would never guess. All right, well, Wade, if people want to support us or get a hold of us, what should they do? Uh, they should um, give us a call at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. Shoot us an email at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com or go check out the patreon uh, talk to us on the discord server and also get bonus content and plenty of extra audio content yeah join that star search uh, chat room or the johnny dangerously chat room <laughs> yes yeah yes it's, it's all the rage because i mean the kids love star search all of the mid-80 parody kind of funny movies <laughs> Uh huh. Uh huh. Although Steve Martin, Steve Martin made, made a lot of them too. Oh yeah, yeah. Something don't wear plaid. And those Picassos weren't gonna pay for themselves, James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that and yes. more at Patreon.com/slash/KickersOfElves, and also we have other podcasts, don't we, James? Yes, we do. We have a fun little project going on right now that we've recently started called uh, the Hashish and Superiority Book Club, where we are reading Alan Moore's Jerusalem, a uh, gigantic, sprawling work of sheer absolute brilliance, as we're halfway, th- well, we're halfway through reading it. And yes, it's, it's pretty great, and we're going through it chapter by chapter, so follow us there. We also have some Patreon content coming soon that involves Alan Moore. So yes, yes, go subscribe to that. It's it's great, great, great. Yeah, it feels like a commitment to read such a big fucking book, but it is. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's rewarding, and it's, and I will say it's a lot easier doing it with a group. So check it out. That, yeah, yeah, it is. You will not be. I don't think you'll be disappointed. There definitely is like a. Once you get to a point where you kind of break through and you're just like, ah, yes. Yeah. And it's it, it, it's much easier going. Yeah. So do that. But it's a lot of words, man. It's a lot of, it's yeah, a, lo- a lot, it's a lot, lot of words. words. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's a podcast. You can take your time with it. But, you know, yeah. if you keep up, yeah, well, you know, you do what you want. <laughs> but subscribe now and then take your time with it later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Subscribe. Yeah, subscribe and do all the Subscribe, stuff. download all of the episodes, and then take your time with them while they're yeah. on your phone. And- <laughs> Rate and review uh, our other podcast in this one if you want, but go check the new one too. Um, mm-hmm. iTunes and do all the stuff that every podcast wants you to do for this podcast and all the other ones, please. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you come by next week where we'll be talking about another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, 3-2 Beam Out. We on a mission. I'm trying to find a place 
I can live my life in. Maybe eat some steak with my beans and rice up. Place where my kids can play outside without living in fear of a drive-by. All right. That was a fun one.